Hello and welcome to Confetti Break on Unsafe Space. I am one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and we are going to be joined shortly by Carter Laren. He's having some technical difficulties. But if it's your first time here, this is a live show that we do on Mondays and Fridays. On Fridays, we usually hang out with some friends of the show and try and talk about the news and just have a bit more fun with it than usual. Uh, before I welcome our guest today, I'll tell you, we have book club coming up this month. We're doing nonfiction. So this month we uh, chose a book that a lot of you have been recommending for over a year. <laughs> we chose uh, Thomas Sowell's Black Rednecks and White Liberals. So we're discussing this one on Friday the 19th, and it's always free to join and participate. You can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page to find out more info. Um, next month we're doing, bear with me, Carter's not here. We're doing Dostoevsky. Uh, I'm learning how to say it. <laughs> we're doing Crime and Punishment, and uh, you can find out more info on the book club page. So we kind of alternate between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. We're no longer allowing you to voluntarily choose to subscribe. We do have a subscription mandate. Um, if you don't subscribe, then nobody else's subscriptions work. If you don't subscribe, you are a selfish person. And we've been forced, you forced us to do this to force you. Um, I think that's all the announcements, Beverly. I, I welcome, <laughs> welcome to our guests. Today, I'm really excited. We have two friends of the show, you guys will recognize Marie Buskey, who is one of the strongest people I've met who's faced a cancellation mob and survived, and not only survived, but coming on the other side a lot stronger for it. Uh, Marie Buskey from Skeins Yarns. Hi. Hi, Marie, and the Knitting Wars of yeah. the, the Knitting Wars of 2020. <laughs> In the <laughs> old days. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Right? There's a new one. There's a new skirmish happening. Oh, I saw. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Well, welcome. And then I believe you do know of our next guest. I just don't, I I don't do. think we've been on camera together before. No, but I have downloaded actually his album and listened to it. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, we're also welcoming Cecil Charles here today. Cecil. Cecil. Hello. Who, you guys may remember joined us after he faced his own cancellation or attempted cancellation in the music world. Welcome, Cecil. It's great to be back, and I'm I'm very honored that uh, Marie that you downloaded my album. Thank you for that. Yo, you're welcome. <laughs> I love it. I loved it. I actually did it quite some time ago, and I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I even I brought the uh, sign that I that I have at gigs. I brought that to this show. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, sorry for the blatant. Uh, promotion but yeah i'm gonna do it oh you should do it okay you, you've got to have something in the background because as people know if they watch the show my background is totally i'm in between homes and so there's nothing in this room they even took the fake temporary artwork they had hung behind me so now it's completely echoey <laughs> well I'm, um, I'm at a public i'm in a study room at a public library because i live out on on farmland and uh so I have satellite as my Wi-Fi, so it's just not not enough for me to actually do this type of thing. So anyway, so I had to bring my own adornments to this room. Remind me where you're at. You're in a free state, aren't you? I'm in North Carolina. Oh, right. right. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty good, I would say. Yeah. And Marie, you are coming, yeah. joining us from New Zealand. Yeah. Which has yeah. been in um, the news quite a bit lately. 
Yeah, yeah, not the positive press that our prime our dear prime minister just loves so much. So, yeah, I'm from down here, and uh, it's so funny. I'm just looking at the chat, wetting myself laughing because they're all saying best knitting podcast ever. <laughs> Carter's not here, bless him. Um, <laughs> Carter I mean, loves it when you call it a podcast. I know he does love it when you call it a knitting podcast. Uh, yeah, so I'm down here in New Zealand, and we are facing a lot of uh, we sort of facing a lot of the things here that are a little bit more delayed to what you've already had in the northern hemisphere and uh our leader has sort of put a bit of a a kiwi spin on things and what do you mean uh delayed to what we've had well we because of the flow of the virus we because we eliminated the virus after the first alpha and alpha wave and we never had a beta wave at all. So the first alpha wave hit at the same time as everybody else. So we locked down uh, at the end of March 2020. Uh, and, and I think that's about when I spoke to you, we I think we were yeah. in lockdown when we did that first interview. So and it was incredibly strident. I think at that time, New Zealand's lockdown was the most strident in the world. And and I mean, there was a positive effect. I mean, COVID was completely eliminated from New Zealand. So then for the next more than a year, we were completely back to normal in our everyday lives with the one exception that the borders were absolutely hermetically sealed shut. So no one in, no one out, ostensibly. So for the vast majority of Kiwis, that was actually okay. And they were quite happy with that, even those that travel with sort of like, oh, but it's it's like the two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, well, this will only be for a short time and this will all blow over. And when it kind of, it's amazing how these things don't blow over. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, is that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And so things just carried on. And then finally, uh, we've gotten to a point that Delta did finally enter the country when they had a, a loosening a little of the border controls. And since then, we have been off to the races. We have had the draconian lockdowns. We have had the borders. We have had pretty much every civil liberty known to man stripped away from us. Um, just, it, it is it is horrifying, really horrifying. Isn't your prime minister the one who... I mean, I'm, I'm recalling a couple of her statements. Isn't she the one who said that you have to get your, we are the one source of truth? Is yeah. that her? Yes. Yeah, that's her. That's her. And she's also the one who said, both her and one of her key ministers said that when they were having a discussion around the mandating of vaccinations, um, I think it was uh, her COVID minister who came out and said, that is misinformation from the internet. Don't believe everything you see on Facebook. Facebook, we're never going to mandate vaccinations in less than three months later. They did. Um, yeah. 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 She was, she so, was the, also the one who said, um, a reporter was asking her, like, are you essentially creating two classes of people? And she's like, yes, that's, yep, a, yep, that's, yep, exactly, that's exactly, exactly what we're what doing. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Welcome to Carter, uh, Carter Claus. <laughs> you look I got, really festive. I got dressed up. I got dressed up for Christmas. So anybody that can't see Carter, if you're just listening at home, he is wearing a Santa hat and he's also wearing a very festive shirt. It looks like he scrawled on there with lipstick. It says, I used, no. a, I used a dry erase board marker. because that's <laughs> <what I am. laughs> It says, now I have 
a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. And before the show, Cecil had explained to me that's a line from a very famous movie. <laughs> one, of the greatest, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is a good movie. I just don't remember the specifics of it, but um, that's right. You don't watch it often enough. It's a you have to watch it think, every year. At I Christmas think I'll time. add it to my Christmas lineup this year. I've already done. We watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation the other night. I hadn't seen that oh, one in a while. That was good, but. Um, Anyway, welcome, Carter. We were just talking about New Zealand, like the state of New Zealand, and Marie was giving us an, giving us an update on her prime minister and things that are happening there. So um, it's yeah. splendid there. They still call her the yeah. prime minister? Yeah. No, I call her plenty of other things, but um, my favorite um, epitaph for is a uh, supreme leader. I like to call her supreme leader. Yeah, that's she, yeah, supreme yeah. She's, yeah, it is. So as of uh, 3rd of December, we uh, entered what she likes to call the COVID protection framework, otherwise uh, colloquially known as the traffic light system. And yeah, so if you are unvaccinated, and we only have one choice of vaccine in New Zealand, it's Pfizer, 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 or Pfizer. Um, they did actually bring in, there is AstraZeneca that they are holding for absolutely exceptional cases. But essentially, it's Pfizer. Uh, if you have chosen not to take the vaccine, or you're even COVID recovered, which isn't that many people really, uh, or you have been even some in some cases vaccinated elsewhere, you do not get a vaccine pass, and you literally are locked out of society. So that's where we're at right now. So when you say locked out of society, what kind of, you can't go to the grocery store? No, not quite Lithuania bad, but uh, you stints at the moment. It is no cafes, no restaurants, bearing in mind we're heading into the festive season and it's summer here. So that's, I mean, that's what Kiwis do is go to cafes and restaurants and bars and stuff this time of year. So if you're unvaccinated, it's none of that unless the cafe chooses to do takeaway only. So a lot of um, bars can't do that, but a lot of cafes actually have made a stand and said, no, we're not discriminating. And uh, they've changed their setup so you can't dine in, but you can go in and purchase food and they will do it so you can take it away so they don't discriminate against um, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Uh, you can't uh, go so, to any So you're separate but equal. <laughs> how yeah. compliant are people though like i i get that they're doing that but are people just saying no i'm just you can come in and sit down anyway i don't care is the not, population like bought into quite, this quite i not quite yet i think there's little hints of it here and there um and it depends on where you are so if you're in auckland who have been locked down about 107 days they were in a strident lockdown 107 days uh the border in and out of Auckland is still manned by police. So you can't enter in or out of, so one third of our population have literally been in a huge big holding pen now for more than three months, coming up four months. That border lifts um, this coming Wednesday. However, all the experts have said, but Aucklanders please choose a staycation and don't go anywhere because we don't want to spread, I know. I know. 
so they uh, have been, I mean, all, I feel so sorry for Aucklanders. They have really borne the brunt of this. It's our largest city. It's our main international airport. Everything, it's our main port. Everything goes in and out of Auckland. They've had, yeah, a hard police border there for months. And that finally is lifting. However, if you're unvaccinated and you live in Auckland, you're not allowed to leave unless you present a COVID test, which has been done within 72 hours, but free and easy and available rapid antigen testing isn't, um, won't be readily available in this country until the middle of January. So it essentially means that if you're unvaccinated and you want to visit friends for the holidays or family for the holidays, you, and to get a PCR test, which costs um, they claim now that they're saying that if you wish to travel, they are going to waive the fee, but it was a few hundred dollars. Uh, but those tests are taking anywhere between sort of two to five days to arrive. So if you've got a 72-hour window, you can't guarantee that you're going to get your test back in time. So I just have a, I have a, this might be a little bit of a nuanced question, but when did New Zealanders become such pussies? <laughs> you know, no, it's not an it's not a nuanced question. I mean, this is the thing with Kiwis. You know, we Australians generally. I mean, we have a like a, what I call a big brother, little sister type relationship with Australia. So, whilst we're a really incredible proud nation, and we always punch above our weight, and it is something I think that Kiwis love about ourselves that you know for only a few million people in the bottom end of the world, you know, we often crop up in the most unexpected places. And we're really proud about that. And we love that. But ultimately, um, we're not, it's the Australians that tend to have a little bit more piss and vinegar than what we do. And we are a very trusting nation. You know, we, we've always trusted our leaders. We've generally had fairly benign leadership that politically is very centrist you know it's only a slight wavering one side or the other of the of the political window and all of a sudden within a few years you know the overton window has had a seismic shift left yeah. and we have had a government that is a lot of people still believe that have always supported this party have always believed that this is a centrist left party it's far from i mean it is making your squad look like you know Adolf, really, they are far left progressives. Um, our Prime Minister was, and her deputy were both members and schooled under the Maoist form of communism. They are essentially communists and totalitarians, um, and they're not even in wolf's clothing anymore. They were sheep's clothing. They've shed that. They they yeah. are now out there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, when they say, when she says, like Cecil pointed out, mm. Yes, that's what we're doing. We are creating yeah. two classes of people. No shame about that whatsoever. Yeah, none. And she's, they got um, re-elected. And it's the first, uh, we have proportional representation in New Zealand. Our governance system here is surprisingly simplistic. And we're one of only three countries in the world that doesn't have a constitution. So New Zealand, Israel, and the UK are the three countries that don't have constitutions. So when you don't have a constitution, it can be a little bit like the Wild West. And we the ability for this government to be able to change law and enact power and exert power across a population is incredible. 
and you know i mean we're a country our police aren't readily armed you know we're not we don't having to fight back against something against a government is unheard of for us because we've never had to do it and yeah. then all of a sudden we have this leader who in this last year that they've had a complete majority i mean they've now gotten to a point that they're passing laws without even discussion in the House. It doesn't even go to um, select committee. They passed uh, a range, a raft of laws to get through this COVID protection framework, increase the powers of the police and the health department around this emergency and this pandemic, which theoretically should be winding down. You know, I mean, it's becoming endemic in a number of countries. We have an 89.3% double jab rate for the eligible population, yet these powers were still passed and they were done in such a way that the Human Rights Commission and Amnesty International poked their heads up and said, cracks, New Zealand, what are you doing? You know, yeah. even this is, this is, no, this is a step too far. And a lot of Kiwis now, are, but they're very quiet, they won't say anything. So you will see a political poll and their numbers are tanking but hardly so few people will say anything out on the street because the minute you go out and you protest or you do anything the media which is completely bought and paid for by the government to the tune of 55 million dollars in a public interest in journalism fund the minute the, you come out the media essentially ostracize you paint you as an anti-vaxxer and, and and they're too scared. They just too scared to to say a thing, and they just let it happen. It's it's the culture of it's that culture of fear and silence. Mm. It, yeah. I mean, it's it really it's helping me to understand history better in better context. Mm. How certain yeah. things happened. There's been an. It's amazing, though, guys. It's amazing that there are so many examples of this problem in history and unless a population has recently experienced it themselves they seem to like completely be unaware that it could happen yeah to them um it's like how new zealanders can't be aware of the the risks is is beyond me but neither are most americans right it's, it's like well you know it, it's you, also... you look at people from eastern bloc countries and they're like yeah you should be careful about it. Yes. yes, because it, because things happened to their parents and grandparents. But man, we forget really quickly. It's also it strikes me as I know people that don't like it when you bring up history and they say, look at history as uh, a warning sign. Like these are you don't ever want to repeat uh, patterns of behavior, especially on a population basis that lead to horrible atrocities. And we, we've seen that happen in history. People that don't like when you do that, they say, oh, you don't compare this. How could you compare this to people being put in gulags or concentration camps? And it's like, I'm not comparing it to that. I'm saying the behavior, the fear of silence, the culture of silence is, yeah. is similar. And what's crazier is that you've got a culture of silence and fear happening now around something that's not even, the, the punishment is not even being, you won't be thrown in a gulag, you won't be thrown in a concentration camp. But the fear is so strong. What the media is going to smear you? That's enough to get to force people to stay silent. Well, then imagine what will happen if it ever gets to that place of where the punishment is much worse than the media is smearing you. Can, how can you expect to stand up then if you can't even stand up now? You can't even 
speak out now. Yeah, look, part, part of the reason that we remember <laughs> things, this is reminding me of an argument that James Lindsay had with the Holocaust Museum online recently. Like, <laughs> right. part of the reason that we remember Holocaust victims is not those particular individuals personally. I mean, most of us weren't related to a particular person that we're remembering. There's something greater that we're remembering, which is, hey, this this horrible thing happened. We need to not forget it, and we need to not forget what led to it, what the principles were behind it, so that something similar doesn't happen. I am comparing it to that. Comparing doesn't mean equating. Right. I'm comparing it. It's not the same, but there are similarities to the attitudes and principles that that manifest uh, mm -hmm. Germany at that in, in Germany at that time, and those same attitudes and principles are being used now. Yes, they're being used to do not as horrific things, and those things aren't mm -hmm. equal, but we can compare them. I mean, I think to me the thing that so you know you know um have you heard of the uh, Gardeling mass massacre in in World War II Germany? This was a town in which, and this is just my point about culture. This is a town in which the townspeople themselves gathered up all of the Jews, basically threw them in a barn and lit it on fire. The SS didn't have oh, to yeah. do it. Like it wasn't wow. the government that had to do it. They created this mm. paranoia and yeah. yeah, and hatred of the other. Well, to use a leftist term, everyone likes they, all the leftists like to say you're othering, right? They othered a whole group of the population, and that allowed horrific things to happen, not just by the government, but also by fellow Germans. And the idea that we can't compare it, if we can't compare this to what happened, then there's no point in remembering what happened. The whole point in remembering what happened is to be able to compare things to it and to be able to say, well, we're not there yet. It's not doing these things, but here are some roots of similarity, and we should be cautious. Right. Mark, Mark Twain has a wonderful quote, which history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. Right. And yes. this is what we're seeing right now. There's a lot of rhyming yeah. going on. And well, I, if, if we waited until it was as bad as the Holocaust to compare it, it would be too late. you got to compare it before it fully rhymes. <laughs> and and you, you had Germany promising this, you know, it was utopianism essentially. And, you know, they, they leaned into identity politics and collectivism. I mean, basically they said, there's this group of people who are holding you back from this shining utopia of a German you know, society. And it convinced these people with a, that mixture of carrot and stick, the utopia that we're going toward and this the stick or the the negative side being this group of people that they thought were bad or they convinced everybody were bad and it's I mean, their fault it's their fault we're right. not in the utopia right right yeah exactly and so you have you mm -hmm. have this whole mindset but basically i'm being denied this wonderful thing that's just outside of my reach by this other group of people mm -hmm. who does that sound like well, that sounds like vaxxed yeah. and unvaxxed or that sounds like white supremacy or that sounds like a bunch of things i mean you know again there's there are specific instances of racism in this world and, you know, whole countries that have lots of racism. I mean, but but for us to be pulled back into this this spiral of a mindset where it's like we're ravenous at the thought of this thing that's just outside of our grasp, whether it's no COVID or, you know, no racism or whatever. And then we're, we're shown this group of people who are um, who are told to us that they're the cause of us not achieving this thing. It's like, hey, that seems to be a nice little combination of screwing with humans' brains and making them go crazy. So, like, you, yeah. <laughs> they did fear that before, they're amazing, doing it again. Yeah, and fear is an amazing thing. I mean, I think of the 400 laws or statutes that um, the 
Nazi government applied to the Jewish people, the very first one that they applied was preventing them go to, going to restaurants and cafes. Mm. And then they followed that up with the, the rumour, you know, I think it was Mengele that passed the rumour around that, you know, they're, they're spreading typhus. So this is the justification for doing that. As I said, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Yeah. I'm, I just want to make a point, though, for anybody who is gets into these discussions with people online or with friends and family members. So over, over a year ago, at the beginning of some of the lockdowns here in the States, I shared a meme that someone made. And I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but in the meme, I didn't make it, but in the meme, it said, you know, it's just a temporary shutdown. You know, it's just a, a mask mandate. It's just a vaccine mandate. This is before the vaccine mandates, by the way. This is back. This is back when people said we were crazy for even suggesting that would happen. Um, and then it said, you know, something like just get on the boxcar. And it was sort of drawing that comparison throughout history. And someone who I greatly respect and who has since changed position on this issue. But at the time, someone I greatly respect was like, you can't compare these things. It's really gross to, to do that. And And so my point is, uh, I think some people get like normies. I think this person wasn't a normie, but I think sometimes normies, they, they, they get distracted by, they hear when, when, when somebody says you can't compare this, they hear that, oh, Carrie is saying that locking down a business is just like people being exterminated. And that's not even what I'm saying. They conflate compare with equate. Yes, they, yeah. they, they confuse compare with, with conflate. But the other thing they do is they're not looking at what I'm talking about is not actually the repercussions of, of human psychology and a phenomenon. I'm talking about the psychology itself, the psychology behind everybody complying with lockdowns is the same psychology behind everybody complying with them erecting concentration camps. It's the same. It leads to the same. It's, it's this, this phenomenon of everyone being afraid and self-censoring and, and being too afraid to say, to stand up and, it's it's the same. It's human nature. Human nature is the same. Yeah. So and much so, so much so that even in Germany, it was the disgust factor that was triggered in the population against the Jews. It wasn't an intellectual argument. It was that same disgust factor. They used they they compared them to um, diseases and parasites and all this kind of stuff. They triggered a disgust factor in the population in order to separate the people they wanted to ostracize. It's the exact same thing which they're doing with the dirty, filthy, unvaxxed, right? It's the yeah. same It's the same exact psychological phenomenon. So can I can I plug a book really quick, quickly, since mm. we're talking about this topic? I saw Josh Slocum from the Disaffected podcast. He tweeted the other day, he said something about, you know, I wonder if throughout history, when anybody saw what was happening around them in human nature and they saw these things escalating, if they were to call it out and say, hey, I'm afraid this bad thing's about... Were they ridiculed and mocked the way that we are? Were they called conspiracy theorists? Were they banned? Were they censored? Were they, uh, you know, shamed for, for calling yeah. ostracized? Mm -hmm. And I think they probably were, but I, I didn't know how to answer his question. And then lo and behold, like right after I saw that, uh, was at this used bookstore I told you about, Carter, and uh, I found this book. And I just started it. I know I'm reading a couple books right now, so I can't, I can't tell you, I can't give you a good whole review on it yet, but it's called Hitler's Compromises, Coercion and Consensus in Nazi Germany. And it's about resistance for, for, from the population. And I was just skimming through it, like even looking in the middle, and it's sort of talking about how 
um, whenever there would be a bit of resistance, whether it was from the Protestant church or the Catholic church or from like women's groups or from a lot of Germans who, who were married to Jewish Germans who would protest together on behalf of their loved ones, he would back off and he would resort to coercion instead of outright force. So he used this mix of force on one hand and coercion on the other, which is very interesting. But um, anyway, for anybody who's interested in that subject, I mean, it looks like it's it's going to be a great book. So sorry, I'm on a tangent, but. No, I think it's fascinating. I, I look at this and I think the left has been for a long time throwing, and when I say the left, I mean like the, the avowed Marxists who marched into the institutions and have been trying to do something with with the West for a while, specifically with America. Um, so like uh, Yuri Brezmanov, the people Yuri Brezmanov was talking about, Brezmanov was talking about. Um, I think they really want authoritarianism of some kind, and they've just been throwing darts at the board to see like what will stick. Can we can we do it? Can we can we can it be a class warfare? That's not really working. Can we do this? Can we do it with this ideology? Does global warming? No, that's not like they're trying to throw it. And and finally, they found a dart that stuck, which is, oh, a medical, uh, a medical authoritarianism, a medical ruling class works. If it rules in the name of hmm. medicine, that's what the people will accept. I don't think they really give a crap about – I mean I know they don't give a crap about the medicine or whether it's medicine or anything else. If it could have been environmentalists, experts that were ruling, fine. They just want a ruling class of authoritarians, and this is the one that for several reasons resonates with the population. We're vulnerable to this. This like, population oh. at this yeah. time. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is what we talked about actually before we went on air. I, is COVID is the perfect woke um, authoritarian Trojan horse because they have gone and right. for a lot of because you've got everyone that sits within that mindset and ideology anyway. Uh, Covidians with a capital C. I mean, this was just the gift that kept on giving for them. They love it. They're there. They, you know, they've already bought the t-shirts. You know, they were the first out to get jabbed and boosted, and and they love it. This is this for them is something that they adore more than anything else. But then there was this this next ripple of people, which I think are a lot of normies, who see a lot of the woke behaviours, particularly if it's around gender or um, even to a lesser extent around race, because they think, well, actually, no, that's not really true. Or, and they are quite happy to repel against that because they go, no, that's, that's rubbish, that's silly. But you wrap it all up in a nice, fearful COVID bow and then you insert that like that mrna vaccine and you get it into the in that mindworm and all of a sudden they're like oh no 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 we've got to get vaccinated we have to do this this is really important and they've actually dived into the ideology without even realizing it and they've been primed and they've been primed with all these behaviors prior to which they've necessarily pushed back on pushed back on pushed back on but finally COVID is that trigger that's actually got them in line and say, no, this is what you're going to do and this is why you're going to do it. And they do it without pushing back and they have in this country and it is terrifying. I just but, find it really terrifying. I, th I think we could all think of a few people, um, some notable people who uh, who basically opposed all of the things that you said in terms of woke from a racial standpoint or from a global warming standpoint or and then, and then as soon as COVID hit or enough time into this COVID experience that we've all had, then we've seen a number of people who on every other issue seem to have 
common sense and we're not utopian collectivists become these utopian collectivists on the on the yes. topic of COVID. It's been amazing. I mean, I, I know we can all think of a certain person in Australia who has <laughs> enraged a number of people, but um, you know, lots of people. And it's, it's, it's really frustrating because it seems like um, they're, they're unwilling to employ the same logic that they use for the other topics to COVID mm -hmm. or to see that, you know, it's basically the same, the same thing. It's a, it's some sort of set of rules that a group of people who believe in rule in, in the rules themselves and the, the sanctity of governments and the rules that they enforce, you know, imposing this authoritarian system. And it just happens, as you said, it just happens to be COVID this time. And again, you know, it's like, we're going to have, we're going to have threats like this of all sorts. And, you know, communicable diseases are real things and COVID is a real thing. You know, the, the severity of it, you can argue about, but it's a real thing. But, but what doesn't change is humans' interest, society's interest in using these these situations to employ these authoritarian, you know, governmental structures. And I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with we're willing to do a lot if we think that there's some sort of utopia at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something. There's yeah. there's a lot, you know, to be said about the gap of not having a faith system or some sort, whether it's faith or it's some sort of way to find, and it doesn't have to be faith per se, but I think it needs to be some sort of way to find real joy in life and some sort of meaning and value out of life itself, whether it's with your family or your job or your hobby or whatever it is that gives you real joy so that you're not stuck thinking that it's just around the next corner. It's just this yeah. final thing that the yeah. government has to do. It's one more yes. policy policy away. Yeah. It's like, no, you have it right now. And this mm. one more policy is actually driving us to less and less joy in all sorts of really terrible ways. Oh my gosh, you just made me think of something. Can I, can I just real yeah, quick before I lose this thought? Yeah. I, um, you just made me think of the way that, so when I worked in entertainment, there were some people I worked with, well, they happened to be social justice like I was, but I guess it could be anyone. You don't have to be social justice for this to this to be uh, true of you. They would sort of almost like delay. They were miserable people. Some of the people I worked with who would delay their own happiness until they got some kind of worldly achievement. It was like if I get that TV show, then I'm going to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I get that book deal, I'm going to be happy. If I get this thing, this movie, I'll be happy. This tour, and they never were because when they got there, they're still themselves. They haven't figured out that. Mm -hmm. Like they haven't, you're still you. <laughs> you haven't figured right. out what the joy is and the meaning and the purpose of your life. Right. And that was on an individual level that I saw that happen. And I, I, I realized I don't ever want to be that person who's who's looking for down the road, I will be joyful, right? And and so you're helping me though, Cecil, see it on a large scale with ideology where it's almost like, I think some of the COVIDians do that. They probably do that in their personal life with other things too. They probably always have this goalpost of like, okay, if we get to COVID zero and everyone's vaccinated, then I'll be happy and the world will be great. Or if I get this promotion at work, then I'll be, they're probably that way on a large scale because they're that way on an individual scale too. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I, so. I just, can I, I jump in here because it's, I agree with what you just said about um, I agree with what you just said about the the fallacy of thinking that happiness is a thing that's achieved at some point after a goal. Um, it doesn't have to be a material goal. It can be uh, I'll be happy when I get a girlfriend or whatever or when I, when blah 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 happens, right? Um, 
so that's definitely that's definitely a problem. I I think there's I'm I think of this as in a little bit different way in which the way that you were describing people just now, Cecil, reminded me of like a leaf on the wind. They're kind of at the affect of everything around them. Mm-hmm. And they don't have I, I ultimately think the only antidote to this is personal responsibility, but not in a duty sort of way, but in in the in the with the realization that your if you step up and own your life and own your own happiness and own your own decisions and decide that you are responsible for everything that happens to you. I mean, granted, you can get struck by lightning, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But you're responsible for everything that happens to you. If that's if that's your attitude, if it, if you decide that you're driving, not being driven, then and only then are you immune to this kind of crap. Right. But you I don't think if you're one of the people who are kind of at the affect of society and you're waiting, well, what does the government want me to do? That's not a good question. What does Fauci mm-hmm. want me to do? That's not a good question. What do I want? What do I need? What do I want? What the, what's the information that I need to make a decision for myself? It's and we've we've created slowly America has become we went from being a population of, I don't know, late teen, early 20 year old guerrilla warfare rebels who, you know, <laughs> fought back against the world's superpower and won um, to people who want the government to put warning labels on the side of five gallon mm-hmm. buckets to remind them not to put their child in upside down when it's filled with water. I mean, right. we've gone to people that want guardrails at Yosemite when they're hiking. We've gone to a place where people are like, I want, I need to be taken care of. If that's your mindset, you're the problem and you are not Mm -hmm. immune to any of this because it's the mindset of livestock. We've gone from being humans to livestock. But I mean, it's also, it's just not true. Like there's no way ultimately to take care of people. We all die. Of course not. Life breaks down, it it, it reemerges. I mean, life goes through this transitory process, but you know, our individual self, we're going to die. We have a, finite time on this you also earth. can't and make so, them happy and in and, and exactly and we can't i mean that's i think the other thing is like the people are not aware of where their happiness comes from or maybe how fleeting or how how maybe they have less control over it than they think that they do and they think that again it's just some thing that they have to do in their own life or that the government has to do for them to make them happy and it's like the truth is look at your life look at yourself you're not always happy and you're gonna die and i don't mean that to be super pessimistic but uh, what we want to do is try to take some of the wind out of the sails of the people who think that they have the answer for these ultimate truths these tough truths of life that we're not always happy and we're going to die. And they think they have the answer to that. And so they're going to use, they're going to use their clout and the, and the power of society doing things on mass to create what they think that it'll do. But again, whether or not they really believe it, if they really believe in utopia, if they really believe, like if do Marxists really believe in the Hegelian utopia at the end of all of these, you know, I think a lot new of versions don't. of Marxism, I don't, I mean, do they even know what that yeah. is? I don't think that they do. I think there's just, a thing I disagree with that you're saying here. I don't think they're driven by utopian fantasies at all. No. I don't think anyone here, no one, no one in this side is driven by. They are driven by, they are either driven by hatred of the base built on their own spite and dissatisfaction with their lives, hatred for the existing status quo, or hope that there'll be some return to comfort. Mm-hmm. Those aren't right. utopian fantasies. 
I think I most say, of them I, in the middle. Sorry, I think most of them in the middle though are incrementalists. So they they're living like mm -hmm. currently at the moment on this if only principle, or it's only oh it's only two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, it's only a mask. Oh, it's yes. only going a lockdown for a short period of time. Yes. Oh, it's only going to be um, these people with the mandate. Oh, it's only going to be there to protect our safety and our health. Oh, it's only going to be the kids at home for a short time because it's not state of school. It's only, it's only, it's only. And it's really easy to enforce that control when it's in those little incremental steps. Yes. And, and that, I think, there's a, it's not a utopia they're looking for. It's only going to be this little thing before we can get back to what we know and love as our normal lives. And I think they need to realise it isn't just only um, in every, particularly around freedoms. I think to give up those freedoms and the number of people that I've said around freedom, I had a discussion with my business partner and uh, this is going back some several months and we were talking about um, the vaccination. And at that point, I was still very much on the fence of whether I would get vaccinated or not. But I could see the direction where things were going and I was in our vaccine rollout, I, my eligibility was sort of at the end of the queue, which suited me just fine. And in that time, we started seeing a lot of data come out of places like Israel and the UK and North America about some real issues around the Pfizer vaccination. So I was like, well, you know, I don't think I'm particularly keen to roll my sleeve up for something that has these prof you know, long-term profiles for something that ostensibly I've got more, a 90, more than a 99% chance of surviving. And when my business partner, he, he, he was just going out to get vaccinated that day and he said, oh, have you had yours yet? And I said, no, actually, I, I don't think I'm going to have it. And he was mortified and he looked at me and he said, but you have to have it. I mean, if you don't have it, we're going to keep having these lockdowns and we may not be able to go anywhere and the borders may not open. And I looked at him and I said, think about it just for one second, what you've just said to me. You're saying to me that I need to get an experimental treatment that hasn't been approved in order to regain freedoms that should never have been taken away from me in the first place. Yeah. Right. You know, right. and there's a lot of that. They, you know, they, they've actually put moved that over into, and they've not realised that those freedoms are actually inalienable, that, that they should always have them. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. waiting for the government to give them back. To I mean, this is back. a Stockholm, it's like this crazy Stockholm syndrome. Well, you know? I, ask, I ask this on Twitter all the time, and I apologize if I said this the last time I was on this show, but there's there's never been any agreed upon risk level where we all said, or we signed some document as citizens where we said, yes, at this point of risk level, whether it's a 1% chance of dying or a 10% chance of dying, that yes, you can take away my freedoms. Like, yeah. I never agreed to that. Did you agree yeah. to that? Did it did it say it somewhere in the fine print of the Constitution where it's like, hey, there, once it gets to, to this level, but okay, well, that, and that's very that's true too. I mean, but yeah, and so ultimately, you know, anarchists or ANCAP folks would would make that point, and I get that point. You know, for at least for an academic discussion, we could talk about that too. But ultimately, we have the government taking away our freedoms, and we've never agreed to any any criteria by which that should be allowed. And think about the slippery slope here, um, Cecil, because uh, the moment – what they've done this really interesting thing, which is they've said there's some risk, which is true. There is some risk. That's a true statement. There is risk. We have to get it to zero. We have to eliminate the risk. That could be applied to literally anything, mm -hmm. literally anything you could apply that to and just – 
go hog wild. I mean, if that's the case, then then the flu is a reason for the government to shut us down. Right. Every disease right. is a reason for the government to shut us down. Literally, every tra- traffic is Track a reason accidents. for the government to shut us down. Yeah. Every, oh, yeah, yeah. Everything. <clears throat> McDonald's is a reason for the government to just like they, mm-hmm. they need to be in our lives in every minute detail if the goal is – we need to reduce the risk to zero for you cattle. Well, that's, that's what I meant by, that's what I mean by utopianism. I, I don't always mean right. it as like, Fair. we're all there thinking that there's some, this beautiful thing, but it's like any existence of something that I disapprove of, in this case, right. risk or anything mm-hmm. else is reason right. to employ some new law to get rid of it. That's but think of how neurotic the population has to be to be like, there's risk out there. When you, you're stepping outside in the park, there, there's risk. Better put your mask on. Better ask Fauci if that's okay. There's risk out in the world. It's it's It takes a broken population to respond to that. We are already broken. We would not have responded if we weren't right. already psychologically broken. Well, to your point about how they can use that for anything, they've really opened that Pandora's box now. The people who supported authoritarianism when it came in the form of lockdowns, <laughs> lockdowns and mask mandates and vaccine mandates well now you've opened it for anything and i sent beverly you and beverly some graphics could we put these news articles up this is in new zealand i thought at first i thought this was a joke uh because people who oppose the mandates oppose the authoritarianism have been saying look they could do this for anything they could do it for cigarettes and they are doing it for cigarettes (laughs) this is anybody who's just listening at home and not watching um, we've got a CNN headline here on the screen that says New Zealand plans to ban smoking for the next generation. Yep. And there so are a couple, anybody. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, anybody born after 2009 will, it will be illegal for them to purchase cigarettes. So do I understand this correctly? They're going to keep raising the age mm-hmm. requirement until they age people out. Like, they're going yep. to increase the age slowly over time, incrementally, as you said, mm-hmm. incrementally increase the age requirement to buy, yep. which it's legal to yep. buy cigarettes until they get to the point that anyone born after 2009, as you said, will never be able to legally Correct. buy them. Marie, have you, start, have you started stockpiling? Are you going to sell them? They can't even buy, I just want to point this out. They can't even keep cigarettes out of prisons. They are literally... They're the they're the functional <laughs> currency of prisons. They can't even keep cigarettes out of prisons. This is hilarious. But okay, sorry. I just yeah. <laughs> Marie, uh, you, we didn't get to hear our answer, Carter. Are you stockpiling? <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Am I stockpiling? It was so funny because when this was announced, I mean, we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on personally, you know, with our businesses at the minute, and and this announcement came out, and I looked at this and I. The first thing I thought to myself was, "Is oh, there's a business opportunity." I just, I. And I've had this like... conversation. I've had this conversation with so many people. You know, when when I've talked to them about taking away freedoms, and you know, and I people that I know, you know, through the, the medical based business that I'm involved with as well, and they have said to me, you know, they've, you know, and they use that greater good, you know, when I've talked about the mandates, and they've said to me, yes, but we need to do this, we've got to protect the vulnerable, you know, they give you all the talking points, these are the things that we have to do, and I was like, yes, but it's more fundamental than that, fundamental than that, if you take away this freedom now, what's going to then stop them, 
because climate in this country is a big deal. Climate will be the next emergency, and then they're going to outlaw two-car yes. families or multiple-car yes. families. It is only yes. going to be a single-car family. Mm-hmm. It will have to have this level of uh, fuel efficiency in order to be actually used as the single car. Then they will actually say, but there's the time limit on that, and then after that, you will actually have to transition across to electric-powered vehicles. And then altogether, they will say, well, actually, no, you need to meet a certain criteria in order to own a vehicle at all, and you need to rely on public transport. It is all incremental. When is it going to stop? And you've got to say stop now, otherwise this is where it's going to go to next. Keep going. Yeah, going. someone pointed out in chat they probably aren't trying to keep cigarettes out of prison, so I'll, with, I'll withdraw that, but they can't even keep hard drugs out of prison. Let's yeah. use that as an example. Somebody um, in I, chat I, I also want, had the idea. Yeah. I had Murray. They said uh, you should smuggle cigarettes in your skeins of yarn. I was, yeah. <laughs> was going to say, Marie, I am happy to help you acquire <laughs> said items from the the free world if there is still a free world. Oh. When yeah, I mean, this is a good a good opportunity to announce a black market brand, Marie. You could do it. <laughs> yeah, lots of people watch. Yeah. Games oh, tobacco just, coming, coming soon. I know it's 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 it is just such insanity. And of course, cigarettes here are, are some of the most expensive in the world because of the tax that we apply to them. So then there were two arguments after that um, this announcement was made, and there were two arguments that have come out since. One from one of the uh, opposition parties concerned at the level of income that the government is now going to lose uh, by a tax revenue from losing the sale of cigarettes, uh, of which they counted, well, actually the health benefits by not having people smoking will offset that, which, you know, may or may not be the case. The other argument that I saw last night was um, about tourism, because, of course, tourism was our largest income earner as a nation prior to COVID. And the concern being is it was announced yesterday that over 25% of all tourism businesses in New Zealand have closed, have shut up shop. Wow. Because of, because yeah. of COVID, which yeah. is just horrific. And, and by the way, don't you have a lot of Asian tourism? They all smoke. Massive Asian tourism, which is, that was the next point, was, yeah. yeah, was. Damn it, I know, I know, but that's exactly right. I mean, um, you know, will these tourists stop? I mean, how do you explain to, you know, these wealthy Asian or European too, because the Europeans are big smokers, the South Americans are big smokers. How do you explain to them, oh, look, you can come in, but, um, you know, and if you, even if they're prepared and they bring their carton of cigarettes with them, how do you then say to them, mm, no, you can't have those cigarettes because they're full-strength nicotine. We only do low-strength nicotine in New Zealand, so no, we're going to confiscate so they say that it's going to be offset by the money they're saving because they're making people help forcing people to be healthier right but not until yeah. they get rid of the sugar they're going to have to ban sugar too well, well this is the problem once you socialize yeah. health care then it's my business what you do with your body because right. it yes. affects my wallet so the minute you socialize health care I have a right to tell you what to put in your map, your body. Yeah. The minute you Don't, do that, I mean, I, or I'm, I'm using right in, in loose yeah. terms, but like, I mean, you're, you're taking my money. I, I'm paying for your health care. Yeah. So yeah. that's what happens. The socialized guys. medicine thing is a Pandora's box. I don't think we should particularly open. Yeah. Today, <laughs> I don't think anybody has ever something. talked about it before though. Wait, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say something about, I'm going to, this Shark is a, Beverly. 
<laughs> yeah, put the sarcasm thing up. Okay. Yeah. I I remember this years ago. <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna I'm gonna make an argument for for listening to the crazy principled person because I said this decade, <laughs> literally decades ago, when New York and San Francisco started saying. And by the way, I grew up with asthma. I hate cigarette smoke. I can't stand cigarette smoke. I'm not a smoker. I can't stand it. When New York and San Francisco said they were going to outlaw smoking in bars, very few people, other than people like me, who were principled, said, no, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. It's a violation of the rights of the bar owner. They can decide whether people can smoke in their bar. It's on principle. You can't tell people not to smoke on someone else's property. You can't do that. And everyone thought I was crazy, especially the fellow non-smokers. Don't you not like smoke? Don't you want to be able to go to, I guess, drink yourself to oblivion without smoking? I, whatever. Don't you want to be able to go to bars without smoke? It's good for people, blah, blah, blah. And all of all of you centrists went, it's just for health. Or, it's a good thing. Don't you? Blah, 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 blah. Principles don't matter. This is what happens, guys. It happens decades later. Wake the fuck up and have some principles from the beginning. I'm not yelling at anyone in particular, but wake up and have some principles from the beginning because this is what happens. If you supported that, you have basically no leg to stand on at this point. With can, I bake your, can I bake your noodle now? So two <laughs> yeah. weeks ago, two weeks ago's law change because, you know, so much fun down here. Two weeks ago, the government made it illegal for a private individual to have a cigarette in their own car if there was a child under 18 in there. Wow. wow. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. I just have to I say, know. they're coming I have for to... your McDonald's. They're coming for everything else. Yeah. They will come for everything. I was just going to say, can I can I bake your noodles? Sounds a little risque. I like that phrase. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a, an American thing. Yeah. As far as that, um, we, I just, you'll I have just to do that read... over private text, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to read a couple of super chats. So the first one early on, but I think while you were gone, Carter is Rebecca P. Thank you, Rebecca. She says, I'm really excited about this Friday, knit, Friday knit tights episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. People were saying it's their favorite knitting podcast, Carter. You missed that. And then we well, also it is had the best knitting podcast. Let's be honest. Thomas St. Thomas <laughs> says, my little brother has to buy menthol cigarettes in Los Angeles from the Armenian cigarette black market. No joke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was one more. That's why the cops need a Humvee. Because there's a cigarette cartel in Los Angeles. Yeah. Andrew Joyner down. says... We have ways of making you healthy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. There is already a, a cigarette black market here. You know, the Chinese actually, funnily enough, are the ones that are at the cracks of it because they bring in the Chinese <laughs> brands of cigarettes into New Zealand. And and it's because the tax is so high. So that is already a thing. And the convenience store owners, which we call dairies here, the convenience store owners are really concerned because that is one of the major forms of revenue. And they're now worried about sort of theft and all of these elements of crime that are... You know, honestly, this government, I swear, when she goes into the ground, the epitaph is going to read, 
but I did it with good intentions. You know, I I, I was meaning well. You know, it's yeah. just it's like this law of unintended unintended consequences, which seems to be a symptom of people that live in that political paddock. You know, they but this is this is the right thing to do. This is going to be good for you. We're going to do. You don't know what you need for yourself, but we do, and we're going to make it better. And it just yeah. ostensibly yeah. makes it worse. Yeah. Someone is arguing that there's no principle here involved. They're arguing with me about smoking in restaurants because would you be okay with people dumping cyanide inside a restaurant if the restaurant owner was okay with it? At some point, you have to have oversight. I would be okay with someone if someone's that if a restaurant said we have a sec we we let people dump cyanide in the restaurant. I wouldn't go there, and no one else would go there, and it, like it doesn't. This idea, it's these three arguments are so stupid. It's so ridiculous. Would you let this obviously ridiculous thing that no one would ever do and uh, the restaurant would literally not exist if anyone ever did this, did this? Would you let that thing happen? There's the principle. It's like, you're not smart. You're just a moron. That's a moronic Carter, comment. They're not a moron. It's a, it's you're like, a moron. Go no, away. No. <laughs> no, I think sometimes people have uh, – well, I'll just say this because I've had a question before where if if you're not as skilled at figuring out like logically where your mind goes, this is why I try to I try to do the for dummies thing sometimes. Because if people it's the first time they thought about this, they're gonna have dumb questions. They're trying to figure out how to think. And so that's why that person's asking you that. You can help them by pointing out that's something that nobody would do, right? That like you just did. Uh, doesn't mean that they're a moron. It means they may not be practiced at thinking in that way. Well, and, and to be fair, you know, we're all we're all trying to understand how a certain situation that we're in could be abused, right? I mean, like we're trying to forecast into the future, like, hey, there's this set of whatever that we're living under, and could this go wrong somehow? And so, to Carter's point, I mean, you know, essentially, if we're looking at how the slippery slope of authoritarianism can blossom into the hellscape that it's been before numerous times over the last 150 years, we can show lots of examples. And I think at the same time, if somebody wants to look at a situation in which businesses have more freedom to do whatever they want, or an individual has more freedom to do whatever they want than than that person is comfortable with, they're going to look for, you know, how could this go wrong? So it's like, I, I get the thought process to go that direction. But I think the point is just to say, well, there are safeguards in that when you have, when you're talking about individual and individual choice and freedom of the individual within a society, individuals get to choose what's beneficial to them. So they're going to choose the companies, hopefully choose the companies or the businesses or the restaurants that are actually doing good things for them personally, you know, if they're providing the product that they want at the price that they want. A meal that's not right. going to kill them, that's not covered in cyanide or whatever. <laughs> so, you right. know, like, and, I, and it's yeah. not like we exist that it, it's this weird thing where people imagine these things that aren't happening. Like, we never had that problem, right? There right. was not a problem where, like, right. we walk into a bar and the people are dumping cyanide, and it right. wasn't because OSHA said you can't do it or because there was a law. It was like, that's not a thing people do. And, and have a restaurant. Like right, that but some people haven't had that thought experiment yet. I think you're mm -hmm. a person who's, you've been thinking a certain way for a long time and you've had, there are people who literally, I just, I just freed my mind from a prison less than like four years ago. There are people who at any stage, you know, a thought experiment may not be something they've done before or even thinking this through. Like, it's like, well, if that's true, sh shouldn't they stop people from dumping cyanide? Like, all I'm saying is, 
doesn't mean that I have a machine gun today, Terry. So I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, well, so okay. So this person didn't go away. Sorry for yelling at you and telling you to go away. I'm glad you stayed. And they asked, well, what about on airplanes? I I think smoking should be allowed on airplanes as well if the airline wants it. However, I'll make a caveat. I probably wouldn't fly on an airplane that allowed smoking. Um, some people would though. A lot of Asians. Some people uh, would would fly mm. on right in, unless it, unless it was smoking from the engine, then I wouldn't. Right. Yes. On that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I will say also some of this gets tough when you wrap your head around it because you realize there's a problem with airplanes. In addition, that compounds this entire thing. It's overly regulated. The government has got their nose up in the ass of airlines and airplanes. So, like, it's not a free market. In a free market. You know, a pilot can buy a plane and start an airline service and be like, hey, it's the smoking service. It goes from Vegas to New York, and that's what it does. And we, I go back and forth every day from Vegas to New York, and you can smoke as much as you want. Like, okay, fine. That's a business that you could start, right? I've heard people um, suggest so. that, you know, what if a private airline wanted to have a flight that was uh, no children or no babies, right? Of course, and sure. And if, if a private airline is making that choice, I mean, there are people who would pay a premium probably to have a quiet, a quiet flight, or hopefully a quiet, there's also loud adults. But <laughs> the, cruise, the cruise industry already do that. I mean, the cruise yeah. industry already have uh, sailings that are children free or right. no children under a certain age. So yeah, that's certainly already something that they do. Yeah. And you would, yeah. you know. Or resorts or and by the way, there is there are all of these things we're talking about do exist for wealthy people. Right. I know what plenty if, of people who take private jets and like you do whatever the fuck you want on a private jet. No one okay, there is like you can. What if and the reason that you can't do it is because the government regulates what you have access to and they, they regulate less what rich people have access to. What if instead of uh, a business wanting to throw cyanide on the floors? What if it was a, a business like an, like Southwest Air that wanted to have flight attendants who tell corny jokes the whole time? Could they do that? Would you allow them? Are they, are <laughs> they hiring? Jokes, yes, but otherwise. <laughs> What'd you say, Cecil? I said, are they hiring? Because I, I know. That's, that's, that's what I need to do. That is my uh, So can we switch gears for a second? Like we were talking about New Zealand and authoritarianism. Can this is just interesting and fascinating to me because I'm I'm interested in in sociopaths <laughs> and liars <laughs> and narcissists and what makes those people tick. But I'm sure everybody saw there have been. Hey, three, there's plenty of examples. There's been for you to look around. Well, Jacinda in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, but there's been three high profile cases in the news recently. Uh, the Jesse Smollett one. That's the one I want to talk about for a second. Yeah. Um, but also the uh, Josh Duggar was just found guilty of possession of child pornography. Mm. Um, you'll know okay. he was, he worked for, he was one of the um, eight kids in, uh, what was it? 18 kids and counting the Duggar show, the big home right. homeschooled family, Christian family. My cousin's show was a spinoff of that one. Oh. Anyway, Anyway, he was just convicted of, of child pornography. He worked for the, the Conservative um, Family Research Council for a while. And then the, the third one that's happening, oh, is the show trial, the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, oh, no. <laughs> show trial. Well, none, none of the documents will ever be made public. But <laughs> but but the one that I, I wanted to talk about first was the Jesse Smollett one. There's a Is it Smollett? Of, I think it's Smollett. Smollett. Oh, is it? I've always called him Smollett. I don't know. I can't stop no. now. 
So <laughs> <they're> <laughs> too far along. Uh, I sent you a graphic, Carter. Do you see this image? It's from a news sent, article. Wait, you sent it to me or Beverly? Or- In Beverly. And it doesn't matter. Oh. It doesn't matter. It's, I mean, there's something circled there. And it doesn't matter which article this was. I, I forget where I saw oh, it. Oh, I one. see. Yeah. I yeah. just wanted to focus uh, Beverly, on. Beverly, you want to put it up? What this person says. So the person writing the article says, uh, everyone from then presidential candidates, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, and Bernie Sanders to myself, instantly poured out support and concern for him. Talking about Smollett. It was too hard to believe that any of this could be made up because what kind of person would do something like this? Okay, so I just had... Jesse Smollett. I just had a few thoughts. First, I think that I think the media people and the politicians they're mentioning, I think a lot of them didn't even care if it was real. They just wanted to spread it because it fit their narrative. But I do agree that a lot of people would have a hard time believing that it was made up. Like a lot of normies would have a hard time believing it was made up because people tend to want to believe that everyone else is like them. And so if you can't imagine yourself, if you would never tell such a crazy big lie, it's impossible, I think, for some people to imagine that somebody could lie about something this big. Do you know what I'm I mean, saying? I have I have yeah, a friend yeah. from yeah. college who made up like he was just he was a I, I shouldn't even really call him a friend. It was a guy who I knew who was a friend at the time who like our friend group realized at some point that he lied about most of his past. He even took a trip to to Russia and posted all these the, the thing was he posted all these pictures on Facebook and one of our friends was like she she figured out that one of the pictures was a stock photo from some tourist blog and he ba- he basically stole in a bunch of photos and put them on Facebook none of the photos had him in it oddly enough you know this trip to Russia none of those photos had him in those pictures but to i guess to your point though is like i've experienced that and still i'm i maybe i'm a normie to some extent i'm like i couldn't imagine somebody actually taking a, a national story like this a national hoax and trying to push it through as if it was true i mean that that takes some balls i mean it's just weird i don't think it's wrong see so i think we want to live in a society in which we can't imagine that someone right. would behave like this and then when they do we punish them severely right right i agree yeah i mean what was i what i struggle with this is what was jesse smollett what was his end game i mean what was he wanting to achieve by getting these brothers to, to do what they did. Was it the notoriety? Was he becoming irrelevant? Was he, did he have some weird desire to be in front and center into the media? Was he trying to make a, a, a statement about racism? I mean, what was his end game on this? I, that's one of the things that I've struggled to understand through this entire I mean, he hasn't said it, but he is a narcissist, clearly, so that could just be it generally. Also, his character was being uh, written out of the show he was acting in, so he may have felt like this will get him attention and and get him to get his character to continue or maybe other other show offers or something. I don't know. Okay, so you know who he makes? He makes me think of a lot of different people. But do you guys remember Tanya Head? Tanya Head? Okay, she was the fake 9-11 World Trade Center survivor. Oh. 
And she ended up becoming so big in the, the World Trade Center Survivor Organization. She became the president of it. She was speaking on behalf of all of these survivors who were telling their personal stories of being in the Trade Center on the day of 9-11 and, and being one of the people who survived. She took her story was cobbled together. She studied people and she took parts of their stories and made her own. That was it became so big, like with Jussie Smollett, that eventually there were cracks in it. But for a long time, she was thriving. She was giving interviews. They had her at the grand opening. She was one of the ribbon cutters when they had the uh, uh, at the at the, the World Trade Center grounds where they had the memorial erected. You know, she was rubbing shoulders with politicians and speaking. And then it turns out she wasn't even in the country the day that it happened. Why did she do that? It's like the same, same thing. Reason. It's attention. Yes, it's attention. It's people looking up to you. Uh, it's it's this narcissistic, I think, um, victim bully thing where you're you're very willing to use people to create this narrative that makes you some kind of hero. I mean, one of the things mentioned in that article was right after the um, the, the fake attacks, Jesse Smollett was at a show where he was bragging on himself. And he was saying something like, you know, I fought back. Like I'm the I'm the gay. He called himself the gay. What was it? But he but he was casting himself in this heroic light. I'm pretty yeah. sure I mean, he said the, like the gay Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> he said the gay Tupac. He didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> I thought gay Tupac was the gay Tupac. Oh. Ooh. Just, just like there's um, kleptomaniacs, though there are people with compulsive um, mm -hmm. lying problems right and so they literally i mean i don't know if they literally can't help it but they, but they it's a habit and they just do it constantly um and you combine it with narcissism they, they the lives they choose are the ones to get attention but there are people who just lie for no yeah. reason all the time yeah yeah i just i just find it fascinating but i do think there's something there i agree with you that i think yes we should want to live in a society where you can't imagine people do these things but at the same time the, the fact that we're incredulous about it, I say we, not meaning you specifically or me, but as a society, we tend to be incredulous towards these things. And that's how I think predators and predatory ideologies both like get further and further along in a society and take advantage of more people because you can't imagine that someone it's like, um, you know, when when the 2020 election happened, I saw some people who were say look in the wrong thinker space who were recalling um, Hitler's use of the phrase, the big lie. And they were saying, you know, Hitler uh, talked about how if you're going to tell a lie, you should make it as big as possible. Hmm. And you'll fool more people that way because they can, they can spot a smaller lie more easily because they themselves, humans will tell small lies, but they can't fathom that you would tell a lie so big. And so tell them, tell big lies, right? Like that's what, that was what he was saying. And so when the election of 2020 happened, I saw some wrong thinkers were like, huh, like looking at the results, like is, is they were making comparisons to like, is this a, the big lie? And then what happened? The media, the media saw that that was an effective criticism. And so they co-opted it. If you do a Google search right now and news on any, like if you do DuckDuckGo or Google and look for the big lie and all the news articles you'll find, there's like thousands of them and it's all the corporate media, the regime media saying they, they basically flipped it and they said the big lie. They use that. Yeah, they use that to refer to Trump now. Right. Yeah. Not the accepted truth of the election results, 
they they flipped it and said, oh, the big lie was Trump trying to convince people that the results were questionable. Right. You know, it, we I think what's happening right now is we've got we've always had people in society who are compulsive liars or narcissists or whatever. But as we've talked about before, we're in a culture that now um, encourages that kind of behavior. Um, celebrates and, victimhood. Yeah, yes. it celebrates victimhood. It celebrates narcissism and and mm. cluster B personality traits and whatever. So it you we're actually seeing more um, latent personality disorders become manifest and activated. So it is happening more. So we we're, we the like Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett is like that should happen very rarely, but in fact we're shocked because it just keeps happening. We keep getting this kind of stuff, right? Um, and it happens with the mainstream media constantly. They're always lying. So uh, I think there is actually more of this going on. It's not just that It's not just that it feels like we're seeing it now. Like I actually think there is more and it's because it's being encouraged by our culture. Like you said, Marie, it's being a victim mm. is, is, uh, is celebrated. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and you see, sorry, you see it a lot. I mean, we see it in this country with uh, ethnicities. I mean, there's a real division here amongst uh, our Māori people, for example, and you've got them in two very distinct camps. And I mean, Māori as a people, are, you know, they are warriors, they are travellers, they are fearless, you know, they travelled across the entire oceans of the Pacific and and sort of these bucko, these canoe, and, and they, you know, they are explorers and they're really, you know, an amazing culture and history that's rich with all of these things. And then now there is this division between those who have become so indoctrinated within the whole social, particularly socialism has not been good for Māori, and they become indoctrinated into this um, cycle of victimhood that they, you know, for them, their identity is based around what they can obtain or get from the government and what they need to move through. And actually, instead of standing on their own two feet and being uh, independent, however, there are... Uh, pockets uh, in the country, but mostly in rural areas or uh, uh, isolated provincial areas where, you know, family groups or hapu live in a more traditional family environment. So very much like the rural United States where you have these wider family groups and they all, you know, mum and dad all live here and then you've got the cousin down the road and the grandparents a little bit further around. They look after themselves. They they're largely independent and free from the state. They barter, they do all of those things and live completely independently. And boy, you know, they're the ones, interestingly enough, that are push, pushing back against the vaccinations, saying, well, actually, we don't need this here. What, no, don't push this on us. Why, why do we need to rely on you? We don't need this. And, you know, the government hate it because they have conditioned them to become dependent on them, conditioned them to become these victims. And of course, a number of Māori, particularly those with a, a lot of political power, can say, ooh, victimhood, it's quite a good currency when it comes to control and governance. And they and they continue to perpetrate that myth. And it drives me insane. Absolutely drives me insane. But, yeah. you know, what do you do to break it? You stop handing out <laughs> goodies to people. Well, I mean, we we have we have the the government that basically exists on unearned income, and I, I mean I I think that that's I don't you know that's 
a very fundamental aspect of taxes, but in terms of they don't have to work for it. They don't have to prove that they're doing anything positive with, I mean, when I, I think I tweeted this today. When was the last time that any government said, hey, look at what we did with your taxes. Look at this great job. And so we finished this project and now you won't have to pay taxes on that next year. So thank you, you population for what you did. We government, we came through, we finished this thing and no more taxes for that thing next year. When was the last time or, the government ever, ever said anything under like budget. that? Here's the response. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Under, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we we forget. I feel like you know, I mean, people do talk about this, but it's like human beings are not very good at at regulating themselves when the money is just coming in for not having to work for it. There's no there's no worry that the money might not be there next year if you don't perform, if you don't deliver on what you promise. What you promise, like we have this whole group of people who. I mean, they're running wild because there's a system that lets them run wild. And I mean, it, for lots of reasons and the culture and everything that it all ties in. But I mean, there's something there in terms of I don't, I don't can a government stop itself? I don't know that it can. No. And actually, it's worse than what you're saying, because it's not just that there's no accountability for failure to solve a problem or going over budget or whatever. It's that if they don't spend this is the way bureaucracies work. Right. If they don't spend their entire budget. They can't get that much again next year right. or more. They have to, they are, they have a, a perverse incentive to be as inefficient and ineffectual as possible. Like they are producing exactly the product that the, uh, they, the economic pr pressure would predict that they produce, which is a bloated, ineffectual solution that never actually works. Like that's right. exactly what you'd expect if you give someone money and say, well, come back to me next year, and if you've spent it all, you can ask <laughs> yeah. for more. But if you solve the problem already and spent less, you'll never get it anymore, and you're going to get fired. You're not going to have your job anymore. Like <laughs> that's that's what it's like. That's what that's what it's mm -hmm. like. Have you guys seen? I'm sorry. I just I'm really enjoying. Elon Musk is slowly becoming based, and he's doing it publicly, and I'm really enjoying it. I Did you guys seen. see his comment on? the government being the biggest corporation? No. All right. Beverly, it's in Notion. Beverly, go play. It's a it's a tweet video. Play the video when you get a second. Um, I just want to say how funny really it was like to it. see Santa Claus in this video, Carter as Santa Claus, say, stop giving people goodies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Santa. That's how you know Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> To be fair, his whole Santa Claus getup isn't super warm and fuzzy. Let's, let's, I mean, the machine, you know. <laughs> I'm not Santa Claus. You're I'm the, a dead terrorist, Carrie. You're the anti-Claus <laughs> is what you are, anti-Claus. Yeah. yeah, I'm anti-Claus. Oh, look at this. All right. Full screen that puppy and play it for us. What's with his hair, though? That's the question. He's Elon. What are you? He's just, know, it's okay. That's when you're on the spectrum, you don't ask questions. Yeah, you know, at a certain point, really what you're doing is capital allocation. So you're not, it's not money for personal expenditures. It's it, what you're doing is, is capital allocation. And it does not make sense to take uh, the, the job of capital allocation away from people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to, uh, you know, an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in, in capital allocation, which is the government. Uh, I mean, you can think of the government essentially uh, as a corporation in the limit. 
it, it is, it is a, the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and with and where you have no recourse. <laughs> so how much money do you want to give that entity? Um, yeah. I like how the commentator is like, hey, could you explain that last part? The yeah. Monopoly Wait, violence? What? What, do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like oh. they'd never heard it before. A monopoly right. on violence? What? That's weird. Yeah. Government <laughs> and violence are in the same sentence here? Uh, right. Yeah. I'm enjoying his, I'm enjoying his like, you know, I don't think he's completely based or anything, but he's, he's totally, he's getting, well, he's working this on is, it. This great. is exactly that point. It's like the government is not talented at using money to make more money, not print more money, but actually to make more they're good at assets. That. Well, they're good at printing more money. They're not good at using money <laughs> to make things, to actually make shit. Like that's, and, and his point is exactly that. Why take all the money away from businesses who have shown themselves, if they're successful businesses, to be good at using money to make things that benefit people and give it to the government that doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, can I tell and you that's funny, by design. Can I tell you a funny yeah. story? My uh, my son, who's now 15, when he was six, um, he got assessed by a psychologist. He's on the spectrum. So we were doing that assessment. And the psychologist, it was the end of the assessment. He was really over it. And they were doing a reasoning exercise. And so questions in this particular exercise were things like, uh, why do firemen and policemen wear uniforms? What's the purpose of a traffic light? Those sorts of things. So she gets to the end of the questions and she, the last question in the set was, uh, what is a government? Do you know what a government is? What does a government do? Now my six year old- There's a right son, answer to this? That's uh, so my, my, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, what's he gonna come out with? <laughs> and he's six and he sits there and he thinks about it for a minute. And she said, look, if you don't know, just say you don't know. And he went, they steal all your money, then they muck everything up. <laughs> Which is correct. That's my boy. Yeah. You raised him well, Marie. Pass. Yeah. And not a lot's changed. You know, not a lot not a lot has changed. I mean, we just had, you know, when the in the same announcement that they were talking about 25% of tourism businesses losing their um businesses here last year. The only sector, the only massive growth sector since COVID in this country has been the public sector. Which is not a real sector. I just want a, a macroeconomic <laughs> lesson for everyone just for a moment. When you have the pie, if there's a public sector, that actually should be an inverted piece because it detracts yeah. from the actual mm -hmm. pie. Like yeah. when you do like job counts, what you should be doing is subtracting the number of jobs that are provided by the government from the total number of jobs and probably twice as many because they have to be – they probably cost twice as much to, to provide – Sorry, I just I can't stand when they're like, oh, the government's. I know you didn't mean it that way, but it's like, oh, the government's no, it, grown. It's like it's it's. But hell? that's just that's what drives me insane because that doesn't drive productivity. All it does right. is drive bureaucracy. You know, it's it like actually giving... detracts from productivity. The yeah. government, if there's no productivity in the free market, the government has zero dollars. Like the government can't do anything without productivity. They are right. literally a leech. Some mm. people would argue they're a necessary leech for whatever reason, but they are just a leech. I yeah, want to just read right. a couple of super chats. Um, okay. G-Man says, politicians steal our money every year so they can reward us for our compliant behavior. The entire role of government has become wealth redistribution. Thank you, G-Man. Yeah, well, I, it, I, I would, the only part I would disagree with that is 
has become. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Uh, Swiftner, 10 bucks. Thank you, Swiftner, says, greetings from your token fed. I walked out of a mandate-free movie theater to see my first snowfall in free country last night, and it was magical to behold. After four to eight inches overnight, today is a winter wonderland. That's beautiful. Thank you for doing that. Thank a, you, Chloe. Yeah, yeah he's our you, favorite Chloe. I really, I really love that you gave us a bit of a Christmas cheer in your in your super chat. Uh, Finest City Cycling says, unfortunately, Elon has accepted lots of government money, but he also got burned by Alameda County, California government, and now the Brandon administration. Yeah, I mean, so this is the thing with Elon. These are valid criticisms about Elon, right? His his entire Tesla business and SpaceX are very dependent on tax dollars, right? So this is why I've always been kind of hesitant to be a totally an Elon fan because it's not he's not in free markets, but he has been successful with what he's done with that. And just like Carrie was saying to me at the beginning of the show. Sometimes it takes people a while to figure it out. Like he, he oh, yeah. appears to be starting to figure some stuff out. Uh, and that is admirable. It and, does. And by the way, if you're going to build spaceships, you have to be in bed with the government because they claim to own the right for you to go to space. You can't just go to space without NASA's permission. Um, somehow they own the universe. I don't know. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think you should – this is just my Pollyanna side, whatever, but I think we should all always err on the side of cutting people slack when they're seem to be waking up to things slower than we did, or even- There's a good balance between you and me. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know I'm too much of a curmudgeon, but you're too nice. So that's why- uh, like, I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, Can okay. we read a couple more? Oh, are there more? Oh, Cecil gave us one. <laughs> what the heck? He gave us one. I, it's creepy. You're sitting right there. Okay. No, you didn't see me over here doing <laughs> Cecil Charles um, official. Cecil, we agreed the fee would be in Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, that's damn it. Yeah. You guys can follow Cecil's YouTube channel. If you don't know his story, we we got to interview him after uh, it, was a, it was a venue in, was it in North Carolina that yeah, canceled you? In Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, that the day before a show that had been booked for about a month, they uh, they, they they emailed me and said, "Hey, we we we're not having the show. It's a conflict of interest," and didn't say anything else. And so I responded. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And they came back and they're like, "Yeah, well, we promoted you, and and um, you know, one of our patrons had seen something that you posted on social media. They didn't ever elaborate as to what. And they said, "Well, you have you have freedom of speech, but we can't support your views by having you." play music here at our at our venue so they canceled it, on me the, the day your before views by having you not talk about your views at all i'm right, like I, I i sing love songs but that's fine <laughs> you know whatever but was it about your um dad jokes that you post if it had been about my dad jokes i would understand i'd be like <laughs> cancel me said, all day <laughs> yeah you should <laughs> have terrible, said actually but, is it which lyrics are a problem right yeah which lyrics <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, one more super chat, Carrie, you missed. Um, it's an older one. Okay. And I'm just going to preemptively answer the question. The, the answer is yes. And the question is, comes from I'll Fight You Naked. And he says, do we need to start sending you firearms? I presume he's talking to Marie, but <laughs> yes to all of us. You need to start oh, sending us firearms. Gosh, firearms and cigarettes. So, you know, things have gotten so crazy down here, right? You know, my, and my husband actually said to me, uh, just recently, he said, 
I'm really seriously considering, you know, applying for a firearms license because it, it's really crazy. Because so, because they like to Cecil, they like to take our guns away from us here, uh, which they have done. Um, a lot of uh, semi-automatic uh, weapons, I think, um, that can fire more than a certain number of rounds were banned here uh, three years ago, and they were all confiscated from the populace. And so my husband said that, and I sort of thought, oh okay, this is a big move for him. And we're just thinking about it. And then, no word of a lie, in the last week or two, one of the politicians who is in the opposition, who was the National Rifle Association president, she came out criticising the government because all people with current gun gun licences are waiting for renewals who are held up by more than six months so they, all those license holders are now invalid and the licenses aren't being renewed and that's the delay. They're delaying all new license applications by more than a year. Wow. It's just a year, Marie. It just, it's, no, it's just a year. It's, just a year. Yeah. it's insanity. One it's year really to flatten insanity. the curve of applications. It's all yeah, good. it's crazy. Marie, I'm going to send them. There's this one other image I'm sending you, Beverly, to put on the screen. This is from New Zealand. Marie shared this with me. I just thought this was funny because they had to do some news articles to point out that this was satire because people who support authoritarianism have either because they have such a low sense of humor, they didn't understand it or because things are so crazy right now that this could be real. Uh, this is a picture of Jacinda. <laughs> Carter, why don't you read it? This is uh, the Prime it's Minister a, of New Zealand. It's a picture of Jacinda, and it says, remember to book your Christmas booster. Each booster gives you six, up to six months worth of your freedoms. And then there's a little asterisk by freedoms, and it says, no job, no, no jab, no job, no refunds. I, don't, I can't read what the asterisk says. The asterisk at the bottom says freedoms not available in all areas and one <laughs> and and subject, subject change. change yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't until I read that little bit at the bottom because I saw that and I went, bitch! You know, <laughs> that little bit at the bottom I went, oh, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's okay. Because it's, it's so close to reality. It's, but it's not okay because it's not really a joke. She just knows that's bad messaging, but she means this. Yes. yes. <laughs> this is what she means. Yeah, so then you sent me, there's a news hub article I sent you guys that Marie sent me, and the headline is like, fake, they had to explain it, fake Labour Party billboard. <laughs> it was freedoms. Yeah, it just and that's and that's how far we have gone. You know, when they have to actually outline satire, when you've got to explain satire to the populace because it is so close to the truth, which we yes. all know makes perfect satire. But in this country, of course, you know, comedy is dead, satire is dead, sarcasm is dead. You know, because they kill they kill all of it. So when yeah. you actually get an example of that, I think whoever made that was genius. They yeah. Then you have these. I mean, all the major news outlets covered that. It's a fake. It's a fake. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) But the underlying message is real. I get suckered by all the time. By the way, I'm. I have to be careful on Twitter or whatever because I often see stuff, and it's just a total fabrication. But I can't tell. 
Yeah. Well, James, James Lindsay send he shares those pox articles, and half the time I'm like, I really think it's real. <laughs> I'm yes. like, oh, it, right. says, it says it says pox at the top. It's not real. But yeah, yeah, it's getting I mean, harder for Babylon B to just do their job. No, because not the B is just as funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have we have internment camps in Australia, and we have Lithuania <laughs> doing what it's doing, and it's yeah. like. We have real countries out there taking this to an extreme that we haven't seen so far. You know, maybe they'll come back from all of this and the farthest that they'll go is, you know, a two week stay at Howard Springs. Maybe we'll see. And I'm, I'm afraid of it. And you got all these people who say those things will never happen. And everybody at Howard Springs is a beautiful woman wearing a bikini. It's like, sure. By the way, even if they come back, even if they come back, They've normalized it. They've set the precedent. And, yeah. and they'll do it again later when there's some other thing, right? And so yeah. the, the way that this cycle works is it, it works through hedonic adaptation, right? You you do the, the incrementalism. You make the change that's slightly uncomfortable. People hedonically adapt to the change, so become comfortable with it. Um, and, you, and then you make another little change, and they hedonically adapt to become comfortable. And then if you want praise once in a while, you rewind slightly. Oh, we're going to... We lift the mask mandate for a couple of weeks. Oh, our saviors are letting – they did – thank you so much. Because now they, they're like, they, had, they were accustomed to the way it was, right? And then and then you just turn it back on and march forward again. Like that's how it works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, those people who you mentioned, Marie, the, the, the point of view that some people have the, – the people who have been convinced that compliance is the way out of this and they say – how could you not get the facts? How, why don't you wear the mask? Why don't you take this seriously? You're the reason we're going to have to, you know, keep giving up our freedoms for a longer amount of time. I think they have it completely backwards and they just don't even see it. It's like, no, it's the compliance is, it's what is, we'll never get there as long as you have mm-hmm. this attitude. If enough of you have this compliant attitude. I saw a thread recently on Twitter. I forget. It was some blue check mark, some, some blue check mark who tweeted that she, Oh my gosh, she'd get the smelling salts. She'd said uh, she was at a store or something. And someone said to her, someone who was wearing a mask said to her, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. I'm just wearing one because I'm unvaccinated. And she freaked out. And and the whole comment thread was full of people equally hysterical <laughs> and and saying things like, you know, it's that woman's fault. We're never going to go back to normal. These crazy people. And, 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 but here's the part, Carter, they, they were saying stuff like somebody said, I'm triple vaxxed and wear double masks. And I have to put on a third mask when I go to the doctor's office and we do it because you know why it's just a mask. It's just a piece of cloth. It's the incremental thing again. They I were can't saying tell that. If that was funny or not. No, they like, were being a, serious. That, oh, see, that's one of those things. I don't know. Was that yeah. satire? Right. No, there were lots of people like that. They were all saying, you know, I'm double vax, I'm triple vax, I wear double masks, and I'm never. And it's like, dude, you you don't want it to end. Mm. You enjoy mm. this. You yes. enjoy posting yeah. about it and saying how virtuous you are. Like, right. Yeah. You, you enjoy away. being special. You enjoy being holy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm going to bring up the proposal I made the other day uh, online, Carrie, which is all the unvaccinated, all the people who refused, we just give us a state. I don't even care what state it is. We'll go to that state, all the vaccinated. You can have the other states. Um, and don't worry. And I want this a peaceful. This is my negotiation strategy for peaceful secession. 
you have to agree you're not going to attack us. You're going to leave us alone. Let us go form our own government in this state. And if you're right, there's no risk to you because we will all die and you can just come take the land over when yeah. when we're dead. Um, <laughs> so I I would like I would like someone to consider that. Why should you care? Yeah. So uh, one other this is a sad story or an infuriating story, depending. But I, I did want to cover it today because it's an update on something we've covered before. Um, some of you may remember in Minnesota when Carter interviewed Lisa Hansen the grandmother who reopened her cafe. Now, if you haven't seen that interview, I would go watch it. It's on our channel. Look for uh, Enemy of the State, Lisa Hansen. But essentially, she was following the lockdown mandate, which, of course, was applied arbitrarily to, you know, mostly small businesses. The big box chain stores are fine. But at a certain point, she and her husband reopened their cafe when they realized that they were going to lose their business if they didn't. And their, several of their employees were struggling financially. So opened her cafe. Of course, doesn't force anyone to work there. Doesn't force anyone to be a patron. Doesn't prevent anybody from taking safety measures in her cafe. Um, but has was arrested, went to trial, and she's now been sentenced and so, so far they've sentenced her. She remains to be sentenced, I believe on some of the other charges, but currently they've slapped her with 90 days in prison and a thousand dollar fine. And get this, the, um, the judge there, if you read his remarks about it, he was extremely prejudiced towards her. Um, even the prosecutor, the prosecutor who, uh, who compared her to, she said that, that opening and operating her business was like, the BLM riots. She compared it to the BLM riots and to January 6th, whatever that means. Um, even the prosecutor only recommended 10 days in prison and the judge gave her 90. If you read this headline, it says, quote, uh, this is the judge to her, quote, you just wanted to make money during a global pandemic. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I wanted to eat. Yes, mm -hmm. you yes. wanted to make money during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. That's not right. bad. That's pretty so, horrible. I didn't yeah, realize that had happened. It's pretty horrible. There's a couple, there's a follow-up article. Um, well, there's this one about her sentencing. Yeah, you can read more of the judge's comments here. He's despicable. Somebody should reminder, ask Joseph As a reminder, Boltle. judges are voted in. Oh, right. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, did he lose any of his money during the pandemic? I have a feeling he did not. <laughs> right. And yes, they're voted in, to your point, Carter. Yeah. The leech, yeah. the leech doesn't have to take a food break. The leech gets to keep eating, even if you right. don't keep eating. Right. Yes. So he said to her, um, because this isn't a law. This was a mandate, and but he calls it a law. He says, "quote You don't want to recognize our law. I want to reinforce that the law does apply to you. I want to send a message to the community that executive orders are law." And then he gave her 90 days in jail. So she's waiting to hear about, at some point she asked, she, it said when Hanson asked for a more detailed explanation of what sentencing would look like, the judge said, you're your own counsel, so figure it out. Like, what a dick, you know? Like, what an absolute jerk. And so she's waiting to hear about the other charges. It says that she could end up spending up to nine months in jail and be fined an additional $3,000. Wait, did you read the last sentence? The, it says, uh, as Hansen was led away by deputies following the sentencing, she raised her hand and stated, 
liberty and freedom. That's pretty cool. <laughs> she is pretty cool. Like talk about a courageous person. When I, when I shared this online, someone took it and retweeted some, some low information person said, Oh, right wingers never want to accept the consequences of their illegal actions. And it was like, dude, first of all, I'm not a right winger and I don't think she is. I don't know. But secondly, she, that's the thing about her. That's so impressive. She fully knew the con- the potential consequences mm-hmm. when she was on unsafe space. She talked about how I could end up in prison and it is worth it because this mandate is wrong. It, it's unconstitutional. It's unethical. It's wrong for the government to say like, we have a right to deprive you of life, liberty, and happiness. If, if there's this virus that has this, like you said, Cecil, this percentage rate of, of death, like less than 1%, sure, we can tell you that you can't operate and arbitrarily enforce it too. So, so big box stores can stay open, but the mom and pop stores can't. Like that is wrong. And so mm-hmm. her doing this, it wasn't just to save her business. She reopened it after careful consideration. You can tell she put a lot of thought into it recognize what the consequences would be and still did it despite the fear that is impressive so someone in chat was saying that judges are some of them are appointed um we vote for them in california but they some of them are appointed this I, look, one was appointed a to... by jesse ventura the body really this is why you can't trust libertarians <laughs> <laughs> no seriously they just, yeah. they, just they don't it, it's like this is this is one of my biggest problems with not that Trump was libertarian, but one of my biggest problems with Trump was like just super naive. He got into office and surrounded himself with like horrible people who wanted to undermine everything that he said he was going to do. And I was like, all right, well, I, I think Carter, job. your point is bigger than that. I think you can't trust people. And I don't mean that in a personal way. Don't trust anybody. But I just mean in general, when it comes to building governments, act like you can't trust anyone. Yeah. You know, it's it's how motorcyclists ride that you, you assume no one else can see you. You have to ride as if no one can see you because in many, many times they won't see you when they should be able to. And then they'll pull out in front of you and you will die. It's the same thing with the government. Just like assume that people are going to do the wrong thing and build a system. And I know you know this, Carter. I just mean like in general, we need to remember this as people. We can't rely on people being good. We have to build a system that has checks and balances imagine that system of checks and balances that in that maintains freedom for the individual it sounds like something that we have but we now we actually have to enforce it well to your point i'm just gonna a lot of people we, we talk about this a lot so most people who watch the show know but this is why democracy sucks and this is why the united states was not trying to be a democracy the, the attempt at in the u.s was here are the things the government can do, and it can't do anything else. It can't do anything else. No matter who votes for what, you can't do anything other than these things. Now, obviously, uh, as an anarchist, I would point out the piece of paper didn't stop us, but that was the goal. The idea was to limit what they can do, and this this is the problem, which too many people have have – I mean, since I remember – I remember Bush one talking about spreading freedom um, to the Middle East or spreading democracy to the Middle East. People have have conflated democracy with Western civilization, and they're not the same thing. Democracy is not what we have, and it was never what we were supposed to have, and it's just as dangerous as a tyrant. 
and we're slowly slipping into a democracy. The problem is the reason we're slipping into authoritarianism is because we're slipping into democracy. That's what's happening. We are slipping into more democracy, which is the same as more authoritarianism. That's I, what we're. That's what's happening to us right now. I think I was like ten years old when my dad said this to me, and it was. And I'm going to butcher the line, but it's basically like, in a democracy, or even in our system of government, as soon as people realize that they can vote to get money paid to them, then it's all over. Like if you can in mass vote that now the government owes me X amount of money or owes yeah. everybody X amount of money. Like if you convince enough, enough people to vote for that, then it's over. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think we're, we're in some version of that. We have been in some version of that for a long for time, a whether it's money or safety or whatever, mm -hmm. status or whatever. It's yeah. like, we, we expect the government to provide all those things. Yeah. yeah. And Power. this is why my, my voting re reformation would be no one who makes a living from the government gets to vote. <laughs> I mean, it, ha it, has, anyway. it has some logic to it. You can make a case yeah. for it. I don't, I mean, I haven't thought it through. Right. But sure. Exactly. But it's it's one of those obvious like, oh, there is a conflict of interest there. Why is that not identified? Why do we not notice? Because it's exactly what your dad said. So like, hey, would you like to vote yourself some some of someone else's money? Yes. Right. Hey, want me to go steal that guy's money and give it to you? Uh, what's it cost me? Nothing. You just get his money. If cool. Or even if you if you don't understand economics and all you think, even if it's not stealing somebody else's money, it's like, should I vote for the government to print an extra $100,000 just for right, me right. every year? But for everybody every year. What, what if we all had an extra $100,000? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it sounds yeah. great when you right. when you state it like that. You don't understand what inflation is or yeah. the right. value. You're stealing of from your kids or your grandkids right. at that point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> all right. Carter. Anything we have one more super chat about? we missed. Oh, okay. Can we do it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more from our favorite, Glowy. I mean, we're just teasing you. We love you. Uh, he says, today's dialogue brings game theory to mind. Reasonable and free people expect to compete within a fair and clear rule set and abide by the outcome. Oppressives expect to win and will flip the board. Yes. Yeah, and if you get too much, it doesn't take many people willing to violate the rules to, to completely corrupt the game, right? Mm -hmm. And which is what which is what have happened because we set up incentives for people that we have. There's no, there's no guardrails for sticking to those rules and we've set up perverse incentives. So by breaking the rules, you actually benefit and there's no consequences. Um, and so we have more and more people willing to become oppressors. Well, and nobody's perfect such that you have a population where they see a, another group of people breaking the rules consistently. And like that original population isn't going to just play along perfectly for much longer right. after that like we're all human yeah. <laughs> yeah. right that's what that's how it corrupts the game right because yeah, you have exactly. enough people doing it and people see like oh well i've been playing by the rules but why but why right right yeah um carrie the only other thing i want to talk about isn't really a it's not really a news item but well it is a news item but it's not really up our alley normally i just want to mention it um there's kind of a interesting java exploit that's happening right now um and it's a zero day exploit zero day when people say zero day exploit it means that uh the hack is out there and known but it hasn't been patched yet so people can take advantage of it okay that's what it, when someone says zero day that's what it is and there's a thing called log4j which is used in like 
Apple products, Amazon, everywhere. Um, and it allows people to remotely code execute. So you can do pretty nasty things. People right can take over. Right now, people can uh, pretend that they're Apple's iCloud um, and get access to iCloud stuff. Like there's lots of there's lots of dangerous, cool stuff going on. If you're a hacker who's on our side, now's a great time to undermine the Vax Passport program and IRS <laughs> and everything else. Um, just want to throw that out there. Uh, much of the tax system is built on code that probably uses Log4j. Damn it. Carter, I thought I was going to be I thought I was going to be on a on an episode that was going to stay up for longer than 5 minutes. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think the YouTube scissors are probably like me and they have no idea what you just said. So No, I, I was thinking was he talking about orchards in Indonesia? I'm a little bit confused. Yeah, logging. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Logging. I'm talking about logging. Yeah. Uh Yes, yeah, so those guys with the, the guys with flannel. There's an exploit. There's an exploit using the flannel guys. The lumberjacks, they learned yeah. to code. Log for lumberjacks, yes. <laughs> That's um, all I wanted to share. I just wanted to throw it out there in case in case we have any coders. Can I, can we have a frivolous moment of, before we say goodbye to uh, really? our guests? Yeah, why? How dare, look what I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, okay. Today so, is a day for frivolity, <laughs> Carrie. Feel free. So there's this uh, bookstore in Austin that my friend took me to, this used bookstore. It's it's uh it's basically for overflow stock from the public library and so it's a bunch of old library books and normally they charge a dollar for paperback two dollars for hardbacks but for the month of december everything's half off of that so it's 50 cents for the paperbacks and a dollar for the hardbacks and i have to show you some of this stuff just real quick i found all these great books look at this one marie you're gonna like this one Oh, yes. You know this book, The Complete Home? Yeah, The Complete Home, yeah. This was 1878. It's been updated a lot, but this is one of the really old ones. That would look amazing in your new house. It's, I know. It's it's like a how-to guide of uh, to do everything in your home. So is that that the one that I'm thinking of? Yes, like foundation of the home. Okay. No, it's for women. It's like advice from from a spinster aunt. To her to other women it's written oh, so like how not to burn the cookies what what is it <laughs> it's how to make sure you have enough capital to get married like before you go into a marriage what to think about and well, i think they've even got a series with it with a, like the hope chest i think there's even a whole chapter yes. of what to put in your hope chest yeah yeah there's okay. a part about good good manners in the home friendships in the home like child rearing in the home industry in the home and I, it's a really good book I found to read out loud. <laughs> like it's really, cause it's written from, from the point of view of this aunt, but um, it just, I don't know. It just takes you to another, it transports you to another time when people actually, like I try to imagine what it was like when people go to find a book like this in the bookstore and take it home, like how different your life was then. And you're sitting around the fire, like let's read about, um, you know, how to teach children to tell canning. the truth. Yeah, compared to like what our life is like now. Or canning, yeah. That book was cool. I've been knitting. Is there a knitting chapter in there? There's probably a home craft. There's got to be knitting or darning socks or something. There's got to be some kind of sewing, knitting related stuff in there. How to make your home happy. Wait, hold on one second. Let me show you one other thing. By the way, while she's doing that, someone in chat pointed out I forgot to mention. I know that the hack thing sounds weird, but it was like it's all over the place. It started in Minecraft, is where they first. So these. Play Minecraft, it matters. Oh. Okay, go ahead. So these, now I posted a picture of this and some people had heard of this. I had never seen these before. This was a a hardback magazine. It looks like a book, right? 
um, from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. It's called Horizon. This was the first issue in September of 1958. And so it's only around for a few decades. But each issue of the magazine, it's a book. It's a hardback book. And inside, there's just these beautiful, like, photo spreads. This is a essay about the book of Genesis. But they have stuff like... Um, like about Stravinsky, there's articles about the beatniks, there's, look at this beautiful art. Wow. We don't, we don't have magazines like this That's now. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. I couldn't believe all this work went into like a magazine and that like, this is a whole thing about the Dutch Renaissance to the art. Wow. Um, and every copy is like this. They have these really thoughtful essays on wow. art and music and history and the best thing is, is a single SJW hasn't been able to um, edit that sucker. <laughs> right. 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 You can't. It's you uninhabitable. Can't, you can't yeah. change it. There's a there's yeah. a whole interesting piece on Rasputin. There's like, but there was this one part I was reading one of them about uh, beatniks, and the author was sort of critical of the beatnik generation, and he was he was talking about Ginsburg, and and um, he was saying, you know. As much as this part reminded me of the Wokies. Now, a lot about the Beatniks doesn't remind me of the Wokies, but one of the ways he described them did, he said, you know, as much as they like to view themselves as these sort of anti-conformist individualists, he's like, they all smoke the same cigarettes. They all date the same girls with the same haircuts. They all wear the same jackets and they all write the same, <laughs> you know, it's like this real conformist culture. And he was sort of saying, it's like this real conformist, elitist, intellectual, like we're your superiors kind of culture i'm like oh, who does that remind me of right yeah. but anyway you know it's funny that you're bringing this up carrie because i the other day literally i think it wasn't yesterday it was the day before i sat down and i was thinking like i really wish we could produce like a monthly magazine like i want like i miss like a nice quality because i i have a similar yeah. old thing it was not as nice as that one but i was looking at it and like and it was it was yeah, it was the paper and the quality was nice, but also just the the thoughtfulness in the articles. And it was yes. it was, you know, this this particular thing had some book reviews, but they were interesting books and like really interesting reviews and like yeah. really interesting commentary. And it's it's sad because the best you could do is do that online. Like you just can't support that business and no one would pay subscriptions for that, or at least not yeah. enough people. Hey, I mean, vinyl is a thing, and if vinyl is a thing when it comes to music. Maybe, you know, Maybe actual you pa it. paper magazines or even hardbound magazines could be See, a thing. In, I, in the knitting, you, in, the, in the knitting zone, those actually exist. The only problem is, is most of them are really woke. They're beautiful oh, really? magazines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, okay. well, they're, they're well, not woke necessarily in like what I call obliquely woke. So there's a, a couple of them. There's a, a one particularly out of Scandinavia that got heavily criticized because of course they were using Scandinavian models because that's what um, they had when they first got up. And, yeah. And then, so then we're like, no, there wasn't enough people of color. And so all, all, all your models are too thin. And so then they had to sort of change the conformity there. The designs are beautiful, but now they've started, um, oh, you can accept uh, submissions from this designer, this designer, and this designer, all but not that designer, you know. So it's it's really <laughs> sad. Mm. Maria, I, I gotta let yeah. you know when you when you talk about the Swedish model, for the last two years that has been their approach to COVID and and not a Swedish model. Uh, 
as a joke. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. Swedish yeah. model has meant so, something completely yeah. different. Oh, the last so years. so yeah. for the last two years, I've, I've been trying to make some joke on Twitter and I just, it's never come to me in the way that I wanted yeah. to about like, I really like Swedish, Swedish model. model. I love and the Swedish model. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. okay. I prefer the yeah. Swedish models. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Exactly. The to, to the point about like, you know, things in the past being somewhat better. And I'm not necessarily like a good old days person, but I did take James Lindsay's advice about watching reaction videos. I don't know if you've ever done yeah, this before, them. but mm -hmm. but watching people discover, especially music for the first time, various types of music, whether classical or I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan. And so I was watching, you know, these young people hear Beatles songs for the first time. And, and I mean, if you're just looking for a little bit of joy in, in mm -hmm. your day, watch a video of somebody discovering something that you love, because there's something amazing about seeing someone else have that moment, that aha moment about, about something beautiful that you have a personal connection to it's it, it'll it'll restore a little bit of your faith in mm -hmm. humanity it's nice. so my That's preacher funny. gave a sermon recently about poetry and he was talking about the reaction videos and he said mm -hmm. sort of like what's happening there is we enjoy watching we enjoy beholding someone else behold yeah. a thing that has enchantment for us and that yes. i thought that was kind of interesting yeah you because you you get to Re, it's like going to Disney Disneyland with someone who's never been there before, and you get to re-experience it through their eyes. I assume it's like being a yes. parent. I mean, I'm not a parent. Yeah, yet, I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Cecil. Oh, it's, it's just like Christmas. I just, Christmas yeah, morning. I just had this conversation with my wife yesterday because yeah. I. So my my other daughter, my 12 year old, is from a previous marriage, and I'm always like, you have to see this, you have to see that. Like I'm always mm -hmm. wanting because I love to like see her reaction or you have to like I, i've introduced her to music and all this like i just i want to see her reaction and just yesterday my wife was looking at our daughter who's you know a month old hmm. and she said i totally get it i now i like i totally want to i can't wait for her to be able to see all these <laughs> things i want to share all these things with her like i understand why you're weird about <laughs> having uh, my other daughter see all this stuff like why why you're so excited about it like now i get it mm. i just it is like being a parent that's awesome it's not quite the same with the dog i have to say <laughs> <laughs> come on oh, tyler no. step it up and appreciate step up your appreciation of fine art tyler i think tyler. But if you get the right toy with a squeaker though a right toy with yeah. a squeaker. <laughs> Yeah, or the snow. The first time we saw the snow, yeah. that was pretty cool. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but not really with art or anything. Tiger, what do you think about this documentary? <laughs> <laughs> no. We just uh, have a few more super chats, then we can round it up. I okay. think we can be done. I, wrap it up. I mean, um, Super Bob says there's also a recently disclosed exploit that allows malicious Android apps to block calling nine one one. I saw that due to fragmentation, many phones won't get fixed. Yep. So if you have an Android, you might want to double check. You can call 911. Um, oh, I saw something on, on oh, gross, on Android recently. People were saying if you press the whatever button it is for Siri or whatever, or whatever the equivalent is on Android. I'll have it sing. Yeah, yeah and you say sing me a song. It sings you this disgusting song about vaccines. Is it the one that Jimmy Fallon did that's horrible? Maybe. I don't know. But it's like vaccine. Like it's so you. cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Uh, G-Man says, remember the good old days when you had to break into a building to steal information? Now hackers can do it from the comfort of their own home. Shake my head. Yeah. Not if you have paper copies instead. If we did a magazine, it would be not available online. I'm just going to – I'll draw the line in the sand. Yes. If we were going to do that, it would be 
nope, there's not an online version. If you want it, you have to buy the paper copy at the end. Uh, Colin P says, James Lindsay technique, make the woke find models. Hmm. I'm not even hmm. sure exactly what that means, but I don't think the woke could find models. Maybe models to prove that they're right, which they can't. Yeah. They probably couldn't even find Swedish models. All right. Um, I think that's it for the Super Chats. Do you know how they do, Cecil, being in music, do you know how they do the reaction videos and get away with it? Like if we play a song on our show, we would probably get the video yanked. Um, I have seen some where they will block, like if it's a video, they'll blur out the video. Um, and I've seen some where they're only playing portions of the song, but I've seen others where they play the entire song and I'm not sure. So I'm, I, I haven't ever done that. I'm, I don't know if there's something in the fine print. Um, it might be that they're small accounts that don't get enough no, interest, some of them are you know, huge. But, but again, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The huge ones that I see don't show, don't play the music. Like the person has a headphone on, the kid has a headphone on, and they're watching, and you're watching from like the back of the computer, so you don't right. see the video, and you and they might no, but like, you hear the song. Few, but the I've, I've seen I've seen ones where they they hear the whole song. Yeah, I mean, me for example, you know, I I just covered, I just did like I was working on um, Elton John's "Someone Save My Save My Life," and I did like a single verse chorus of that and put that up to YouTube, and um, you know, I got a copyright claim where it said like you can't monetize this video because. I'm assuming because it's a cover song, but to your point, I'd covered other songs before and put the name of the cover song in the title of the YouTube video and have no copyright claims on those other songs. So I don't know how consistent YouTube is when when it comes to what they'll allow and what they want and what they'll copyright claim and what they want. The YouTube copyright system is pretty broken um, for a bunch that of reasons. It doesn't surprise which, me. Which we shouldn't get into right now, but it's <laughs> right. horribly, horribly broken. And biased against small creators massively. So, um, yeah. Well, then instead of playing the song, I'll just suggest that you guys go, this song has been in my head for three days. It's such a good song. It's Conway Twitty before he became kind of, he was known for sort of cheesy 90s country. Sorry, any Conway fans. But um, but before that, he, ha he did stuff that was more like Roy Orbison. He has this song called Make Believe. Go listen to that song on YouTube, Conway Twitty, Make Believe. It's so good. And if I could go out Can on a song today. Us? Why don't you sing it for us? I'm not a good singer, you know. <laughs> I'm not well, doing it. So we won't get a copyright. Story. No, go look at it. <laughs> <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds nothing like the original. <laughs> <laughs> but that's go listen to that song. That's your parting feel-good song for the weekend. Nice. All right. Well, uh, as a reminder, don't forget to they, they YouTube has been unsubscribing people. So if you think you're subscribed, go double check, hit the subscribe button. Um, they're definitely in a battle with us about subscribers. So um, go. Don't forget to go do that. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space, and you can go to unsafespace.com uh, to support the show, which we desperately need. So uh, feel free to do just... that with mugs, whatever. Also, Cecil. And I was just going to say, oh, yeah, that I, yeah. I'm How do people close. find you guys? You, you're uh, easy. Cecil, it looks like you got it written behind you. Tell so, yeah, Cecil it. Charles official, if I do this right with my finger, Cecil Charles official <laughs> is uh, all of my socials except for Twitter. Um, I'm really close to 1,000 subscribers on my YouTube. I'm like 915, so getting very close to, to being able to be monetized. 
like these and esteemed. then demonetize and then demonetize and then demonetize immediately <laughs> but yes i would like that experience so if you can help me get there that would be great uh and then on twitter it's the cecil charles so instead of official it's just the the cecil charles like i did that oh okay oh, nice anyway there's me sorry your turn marie all right, so I am at uh, Skeins, S-K-E-I-N-Z dot com. Uh, you can also find uh, me on Skeins on YouTube. I do a podcast uh, twice a week, and in fact, many of our knitters come come over and join me because it's at a really good time in the US. Uh, it's 11 a.m. New Zealand time, which is sort of mid to late afternoon in the US. So uh, I do that twice a week on my Mondays and Thursdays, which I think is your Sundays and Wednesdays. And uh, I'm also on Facebook at Skeins the Natural Yarn Store and on Instagram at Skeins Yarn. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, Also, very much. Lisa Hansen, who we mentioned in Minnesota, there people have asked if you want to support her. There is a GoFundMe, and we'll put it in the comments today or in the description. Cool, cool. All right. Anything else, Gary? Are we done? Book club is next week. You got a week to join us to read this book and join us. Thomas Sowell, Black Rednecks and White Liberals. It is free currently on Audible, we found out, and there's a version on YouTube. I've been listening to the Audible version. Um, oh, we have we have one more super chat. I'm just gonna read because I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like something that would happen. So I'm gonna go with yes. German children are daily being marched to, to the front of classrooms to declare their vaccinated, vaccination status and celebrated when they have been. That sounds an awful lot like a cult. They that well, like the Hitler Youth. But okay, uh, you go Germany. Good job, good job Germany. Uh, all right, I guess that's it, right, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Emily. Look how look how on it she is. Cool. That's what I like to see. I need it. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you for watching, everyone. Bye. Have a good weekend. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by Dr. Fauci. All praise be to his name. The following co-conspirators have been asking too many questions. You know what to do. Once the Maxwell trial is over, we promise there will be no more pedophiles among the ruling class. Just one more job to combat the Zeta variant. Oops I mean the Omicron variant. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. 
thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.